After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day he was born. He said, <laughs> Let the day be lost on which I was born, and the night which said, A boy is born. May that day be darkness. May God above not care for it. May light not shine on it. Let darkness and a heavy shadow take it for their own. Let a cloud come upon it. Let the darkness of the day bring fear upon it. As for that night, let darkness take hold of it. Let it not have joy among the days of the year. <laughs> let it not come into the number of months. Yes, let that night not be alone. Or let it be alone and empty. Let no sound of joy come into it. Let those cursed who curse the day who are able to wake up the Leviathan. Let the early morning stars be made dark. Let it wait for light, but let it have none. Do not let it see the light of day, because it did not keep my mother from giving birth to me or hide trouble from mine eyes. Why did I not die at birth? Why did I not come from my mother and die? Why did the knees receive me, or why the breasts that I should have milk? For now, I would have lain down and be quiet. I would have slept then. I would have been at rest with kings and wise men of the earth who built cities for themselves that are now destroyed. I would have been at rest with princes who had gold, who filled their houses with silver. Why did I not die before I was born? <laughs> Hidden and put away as babies that never see the light. There the troubles of the sinful stop. There the tired are at rest. Those in prison are at rest together. They do not hear the voice of the one who rules over their work. The small and the great are there, and the servant is free from his owner. Why is light given to him who suffers? Why is life given to those who feel sad in their soul? They wait for death, but there's no death. They dig for it more than for hidden riches. They are filled with much joy and are glad when they find the grave. Why is light given to a man whose way is hidden and around whom God has built a wall? For I cry inside myself in front of my food. My cries pour out like water. What I was afraid of has come upon me. What filled me with fear has happened. I am not at rest and I am not quiet. I have no rest, but only trouble. Amen, Brother Tom. Amen. Thank you for the thank you for the reading of the scriptures. The burden of the unaborted. Well, I'll just go ahead and tell you. <laughs> I, the burden to bear. I'll just go ahead and tell you. I've been walking around my house shirtless all day drinking goddamn diet sun kiss one after the next. <laughs> I'm on my Look at, look at my like... lips. They're cracked in orange. <laughs> They're cracked in orange. <laughs> my hairline like has receded. Actually, I actually have my 17 pounds in quarantine. Oh, oh my man. God, Tom. Brother Tom, what is the what is the significance of the story of Job, and how does it relate to our current plight as a nation and as a group of individuals who don't want to die? My man just <laughs> cried to the heavens in a way only a man covered in boils with his dead wife could have. <laughs> You know what's interesting, though? Like, this is the most interesting part of the book of Job to me. Can I just read some more scripture real quick? This one's quick. This one's quick. 
This is interesting. <laughs> there was a man in the land of UZ whose name was Job. UZ, baby. <laughs> that man was without blame. Isn't it hilarious? One of the most apt named East Kentucky communities is named for where the guy covered in boils comes from. <laughs> Wait, we're we are fatalistic people, my man. Oh my god, that man was without blame. He was right and good. He feared God and turned away from sin. Seven sons and three daughters were born to him. He had seven thousand sheep, three thousand wow. camels, a thousand oxen, five hundred female donkeys, and many servants. <laughs> my man Joe was a slave owner. What the fuck? <laughs> That really cheapens it for me. But here's the interesting part. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to show themselves before the Lord. Satan came with them also. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan Satan answered, the Lord said, from traveling around on the earth and walking around on it. And the Lord said to Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job? So, like, basically, they're just up in the celestial court of God shooting dice with this man's life. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess I don't care so much about that now that I know that Job was a slave owner. (laughs) (laughs) Hillary Clinton and Job, they had a lot in common. They are persecuted, covered in boils. And and slave owners. (laughs) And slave owners. (laughs) Wow. Well, so are we are is is are we Job Tom? Is that the is that the comparison you're trying to draw here by drawing our attention to the plight of of the Bible's most well known um tortured soul. <laughs> tortured soul. Well, I just think we're, today we're having that collective moment where we feel like shaking our fists toward the heavens and cursing God. <laughs> <laughs> and we won't be the first nor the last. <laughs> it's not a good day. I was sitting outside earlier, mostly uh, covered in orange stains around my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and I sit out there and it came a nice afternoon thunderstorm, you know, just the rain comes down. It's nice. I was like, I'm going to go sit outside and take it in. Ah, damn it, wasn't two minutes later, it started hailing the size of marbles out of the sky. What? <laughs> 63 degrees, it just starts hailing. <laughs> what? It's just not right. It's just <laughs> these, are the days, these are the days of pestilence, my friends. It really is biblical, what's going on right now, just from start to finish. <laughs> yeah. Locus. There have... Um, Osama bin Laden... Cast a curse on both our houses, <laughs> and, and it, it and has great not... tragedies playing out. Yes, exactly. Have y'all smeared ram's blood around your door to protect your firstborns? <laughs> I'll tell you, I laid in bed earlier with four witch book spell books essentially laying around my body. <laughs> oh my god. Michelle was quick to point it out, Toby. <laughs> Just reaching for anything you can hold on to. I sent out many pictures of pages from books in my home today. <laughs> it's like here, here's a spell to protect you. 
seal your brain off. Is Man, it? Well, is, you know. Go ahead. I was just going to say, with the passing of John Prine, you know, he really was right in Angel from Montgomery to to believe in this living is just a hard way to go. That's <laughs> <laughs> goddamn true words never spoken. Prophets, John Job. I'm sorry, Terrence. I keep cutting you off to just ramble about my misery. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. We're recording this on the day of the passing, uh, electoral-wise, of our of our brother Bernard Sanders. Um, it's been a long, a long road. <clears throat> but you know what? I'm feeling positively. Uh, fine. I'm I'm vibrating essentially. Oh, You're glad it's over with. This is just <laughs> the way the world's <laughs> off your shoulders. Exactly. Put it behind us. Well, the poker no. player Phil Helmuth said that his favorite thing to do was to play cards and win, followed shortly after by playing cards and losing. So there is, there is, there is. I agree with you in a sense, Terrence. There is a. When I was really heavy into gambling, there was when I lost everything I had. I've done that at least four times in my life. <laughs> there really is a euphoria that comes with losing everything. Oh my god! And I don't know if it's just the lingering thing in the back of your head that, like, okay, now out of clutter, I can find some simplicity, or just a, a fresh start, or whatever it is. But there's something. Something nice about being stripped down to the naked essentials <laughs> of your humanity, be that financially, spiritually, emotionally, or otherwise. It, Are we being res- cleansed right now? It's resolution. <sighs> I mean, personally, I have to have resolution. Um, it's like earlier, I was trying to explain this to the Sams, and I didn't do a very good job about it, but... Um, but for the last 12 months, we've been involved in a electoral campaign with all of its uncertainties and um, speculations and potentials and setbacks and everything. And, uh, and more than more than, and more and above all of those things, it's contradictions. And for me, it is, helpful to see them all resolved well not all of them there are still some lingering ones but to see most of them resolved in front of our very eyes because it is truth and it it is knowledge and in truth we can find ultimate freedom my brothers and sisters (laughs) tell me more i got i need this to die what are the contradictions still yet to be resolved in your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> All of them. <laughs> the main contradiction is this. We live in a society <laughs> that is going increasingly increasingly to the right at a faster and faster pace with every year. Hey, man, I, and, I, I didn't like what happened in Hungary last week either. But. <laughs> Are you still torn up about Orban's ah, seizure damn, of power? Man, that was wild. 
It's it's because you didn't believe me when I was I was trying to be the Noah. I was trying to raise the concerns, and, and nobody believed me. I was Chicken Little, and nobody believed me. I believed and, you. I just <laughs> I just didn't know it come as quick. <laughs> I was thinking, ah, we got ten years before it comes. Little did I know I'd be sitting around with an orange ring around my lips, cursing the day I was born. (laughs) But look, man, I mean, when you really look at it, here's the thing. Here's what I told the Sams on Means Morning News. I I don't know why they called me to debrief about the Sanders thing. I if was call- wondering the same myself, <laughs> if I'm going to be honest. Oh, you were on the you were on the Means News this morning? <clears throat> yeah, it kind of was a shock to me too. I was like, "What?" Tomorrow morning. Well, I guess by the time this is out, Thursday morning. You will, Tom, you will have aired. They must think he's got the face for TV. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I damn sure don't have it right now, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> it's my cutting analysis mm. um mm-hmm. to me the only thing that will get you through these times there's only one thing that'll get you through these times and that is a world historical perspective you need to zoom out and look at things from the lens from the perspective of E.H. Gombrich a little history of the world I'm with you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Francis Fukuyama, my man. The end of history, bitch. Yeah, El Fin de Historia. <laughs> no, but really, look, look, look at look at what America is. I mean, just think about it. America is a rapidly declining global hegemon. Yeah. It is losing its hegemonic status on the global stage. Uh, this is nothing new. I, it's like I was telling the Sams, in many ways, all of these structural features and, and all the things that are happening now are very reminiscent of what happened in England 100 years ago, what happened in Holland 300 years ago. With the boy and the finger in the dock. With the boy and the finger in the dock. Oh, my God. <laughs> This That's a wall, old. Tanya. Don't get excited. <laughs> Pour some cold water on yourself. <laughs> um, no, no. Look, it's Bernie. Bernie was this country's last real hope of managing the decline. That was it. That was what. That is what we were ultimately fighting for. At the end of the day, we're we're fighting for social democratic policies that would essentially ease us into the transition of no longer being the world's leading, obviously not the leading industrial producer, but also the leads the lead the world's leading financial. Let me uh, let me let me sure. let me draw an allegory and then ask you a question. All right. Are you saying to me that basically Bernie that this country was the Christian that was on top of the house during the flood? <laughs> and Bernie comes up on a little John boat and says, "Get in. Get in. I'm going to save you." And the the Christian on the rooftop during the flood says to Bernie, he says, now, I've prayed to God, and God's going to bail me out of this one. 
And so Bernie well, goes on. Hold on. Bernie goes on. <laughs> the water gets higher and higher. It's getting up there. And Bernie comes back around and says, Hey, man, you sure you don't want help? Come on. Come on. Nah, nah, I've prayed. God's going to bail me out of this one. <laughs> I think you know where I'm going with this, but that's... So that you're saying that's the relationship between Bernie and these United States. I'd say that's it. I mean, did you see the video of that woman a week ago of all those cars going to church and the woman leaning out the window and saying, I'm covered with the blood of the lamb. Yeah. I'm covered with the I blood did, of the yeah, lamb. She's on a ventilator today. <laughs> uh, now, here's my question. You had mentioned something earlier on Twitter, and I wanted you to follow up with it because I didn't really – uh, I was too busy making jokes about letting my nuts hang. <laughs> but uh, you'd said that, you know, basically that the time had passed for those social democratic policies because that's just a method, of, a mode of politics that's being dismantled all over the globe. Say more about that. <laughs> Look, okay. It's basically my just... plot to get you to talk about Victor Orban. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I was thinking about this the other day. Like, I think that in 500 years, historians will look back at this moment. And what, what are they going to see? They're going to see a, yes, a declining global hegemon that had deindustrialized large parts of its, of its society, um, had sent millions into poverty and immiseration, all because the working class in this country is no longer necessary they are entirely expendable that was not the case 50 years ago in the 1950s and 60s the working class was not expendable you had to manage them through sort of these union these 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 contracts and cooperations between unions and business you needed a working class you needed a labor reserve now it like you don't need you could like you're seeing this now like with the way that we're talking about grocery store workers dying there's like four jobs that we really need <laughs> yeah yeah i mean like we've just entire we've stripped the entire system bare and 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 tried to salvage and squeeze as much surplus out of it as possible and like there's just not a whole lot left <laughs> it is all so concentrated at the top so so th so so my question to that is what will historians think about in 500 years that in that situation our response to that our solution to that was essentially a social democratic state that was more or less the same thing that existed in the 1940s and 50s it's it's a little it is maybe a little more aggressive towards the rich and it's maybe a little more forward link le looking in terms of we got to do something about this whole climate change thing but at the end of the day it's structurally more or less the same like I mean, there's been no interrogation of that basic premise. And, and why should there have been? That was basically the premise that Bernie was running on, and, and we used it to our advantage. But there's been no interrogation of that. Yeah, and, and probably not even as aggressive toward the rich, honestly. I mean, during Eisenhower, I mean, the, the top effective tax rate was like 90%, and it was confiscatory. So if you didn't pay it, they just showed up and took your shit. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like this was this was fairly. I mean, Bernie's platform is fairly mild by comparison, really. Look, I mean, I don't want to like. I'm not trying to disparage them. I'm not trying to do like a post mortem autopsy or like what. Right, was wrong right, right. No, that right. shit's annoying. Yeah. 
all I'm saying is that structurally, like it, it as an organizing vehicle, it was very effective and it exposed people to this new way of looking at the world. Right. But as a politic, as a um, organizing principle, it it was always going to be destined for failure, in my opinion. Well, I see what because, you're saying, because you don't really have a bargaining chip with the labor force anymore in the same way. The unions have been effectively neutered for the most part. No, yeah. Think, think about this. Like, the fact that you've got, like, something like 10 million people unemployed right now, I mean, I don't even know what the fucking number is. I mean, you've got, like, 6 million people filed, but we know that number is higher. I think the future is going to increasingly, in, in this country, I don't know what the fuck it's going to be like in other parts of the world, but in this country, the future is increasingly going to be de-industrialized, out-of-work people who are essentially locked out of political struggle because we've, we've seen this week that voting actually does not do anything. Like, voting... Just structure, just for structural reasons. But like we've seen this week, the sort of veil lifted on off of of what voting is, and and all of the barriers prevented to you. So you've got a massive group of workers who cannot work, who are locked out of political struggle, who are locked out of social welfare programs. So I think the future is increasingly going to look like that group of people as a social force. I don't know if they'll ever become organized into anything or if we will all just sort of hang like Marx's sacks of pota- sack of potatoes, you know, alienated from one another. That running up against an increasingly authoritarian state. Like, I mean, l- we have seen, I mean, because... I don't know. To me, again, like the voting stuff, the courts, RBG is 100% going to fucking die before any fucking liberal can be in the <laughs> White House. Like, uh, and in the office pool, I got RBG going out about the same time as Kissinger, sometime around the 20th of this month. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> 420 Blaze. Yeah. I mean... So again, I'm not I'm not trying to like disparage any of that. Like it made sense. It was only going to be that way. Because here's the thing. At the end of the day, Bernie was essentially just the millennial left's best hope at political representation. Because ever since the 2008 financial crash, we have been locked out of that sort of political process. We thought we found it with Obama. He fucked us over. And and then the last 12 years have been a slow wa- awakening process to the fact that we, oh, we don't actually have any representation. We're saddled with debt. We are essentially, yeah, locked under debt peonage. We don't have health care. Rents are rising and wages are stagnating. All these things, like Bernie was our shot at gaining political representation that failed. I don't really know what to do next, but I just want to I just like I just want to say something. Like I will never forget when I was canvassing. I'll never forget this interaction I had. We were canvassing in this poor neighborhood in Cincinnati. We walked up to this apartment complex and I, I think it was like probably section 8 housing or something. It was basically bombed out. Like it was completely run down. And there's this woman sitting out in front she just looked like she had a fucking day. She just, like, you know, totally physically, you know, exhausted. And she was just smoking a fucking cigarette. And we, and me and, and these two other canvassers, you know, doughy-eyed, idealistic, you know, walked up to her. Oh, ma'am, is, is Stephanie home? And she's like, no. 
No, she, she just looked at me. <laughs> like, just... Stephanie's not coming home. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> this, I will never forget this look that she gave me. She just looked at me and just smiled with the most, like, amused smile I've ever seen. Because, like, I, I immediately started going into my spiel, like, oh, you know, I'm Terrence, I'm with the Bernie Sanders campaign, we're just looking for Stephanie, we wanted to remind you that next week is a, a, a primary, and et cetera. And she just looked at me like, it was so amusing that anybody would be trying to involve her in the electoral process. You might have, you might have well just been trying to recruit her to go to space camp. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that, and that ultimately is the story that we're talking about. Both of us are oppressed, me and that person, but that person is it, it, on another level. You know what I'm saying? Like, I am sort of of the petty bourgeois class who has also been unable to realize their own political aspirations and goals. But that person is probably working. Exactly. Probably working 16 hours a fucking day. You know what I mean? Has zero time or energy for any kind of political electoral struggle. And ultimately, that's who Bernie would be appealing to. But the structural barriers that exist make it literally impossible for that person to become sort of actualized and mobilized. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not Bernie or the message, it's just the sort of arena we decided to let that play out in. I mean, but look, I'm, uh, I mean, I personally, so like we were talking, I was talking to the Sams and they were like, so what do we do next? Like, what do we, what do, we do fucking next? <laughs> oh, so they, they hung you out to dry really is what happened. They needed a. Um, they needed someone to go out there, someone with a pretty face to go out there and do the Baghdad Bob. Everything is fine. They needed a shit pig. <laughs> Self appointed. Call one of us when you need a shit pig. Self appointed shit pigs here. Yeah, yeah. And and and, uh, and that's what I am. I love to be shit on. Ultimately. Um. Well. But but this is this is this is what I was telling them like. I don't know what's next. I don't know if you can um, divert all this campaign's resources and infrastructure into something new. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that's not happening. That it was never going to happen. I lost my mind trying to grapple with that about two weeks ago, a week ago. That's not going to happen. Yeah, I remember having a talk with you and saying, well, Bernie's got the highest amount of active-duty military donors of any candidate in history. Maybe he could stage a coup with that kind of support and that kind of money. <laughs> and I floated that as like a, something a serious person would say. And then when I went to bed that night, I said, Ah, oh, man, come on. Grow up, Sexton. <laughs> what is that? We floated a lot of shit that a serious person would say that was completely out of touch with reality. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're if you trying to level up, you know what I'm saying? That's how you level up, but that's just, that wasn't, that just wasn't in the cards. But also, I mean, it's like we were talking about today, like, Bernie's such a mensch that, that, you know, it's like, you know, I think that, you know, gun to his head, back against the wall, I think that, that he thinks it's like, you know, there's some generic benefit to electing somebody like Joe Biden if, you know, if we can't have all these things. But, um, yeah, I, I see that as, as sort of darker than even the alternatives. Well, look, this is the proof positive that this country's institutions and governing philosophies and everything are just accelerating to the right. 
because they have the same gun to Bernie's head that the conservatives have to the liberals' head. Yeah. I mean, essentially, the gun is, um, you know... This is how you achieve power in this country. If you're going to do it, you have to do it through patronage and clientage to us. And uh, let's just be honest, that's not going to happen because... Like, look, let's, I mean, let's just say this, okay? I mean, I, this, this is... And I, I know this sounds like the 5G stuff, but... but <laughs> God damn, man. It's like, we we knew this shit was rotten from day one. We did. Everybody did. You know what I mean? We knew going into Iowa. The guy that developed the app that fucked everything up there gave $2 million <laughs> to a Never Bernie pack. Yet, for some reason, we act like these elections have integrity just by virtue of being American elections or something. Bernie wins the next couple, and it's like, oh shit, now we got a correct course now it's just to the point where they're just doing flagrant shit, like the Supreme Court thing in Wisconsin this week, or Joe Biden uh, actively goading people to go to the polls in the middle of a with a fucking deadly pathogen in the air. Literally, uh, <laughs> I mean, Bernie—they couldn't even—they couldn't even fucking campaign. They had to call off all campaign fucking activities. It's like the, it literally. The Biden did. The Biden campaign did. No, Bernie. Even before, oh, Bernie even before did. this morning, they were like, "We can't, in good conscience, rely on any campaign. We can't do any kind of traditional turnout the vote. They're, they don't want. It's like they're trying to get elected and know that it is going to literally kill people." Well, the you know, the wall they have Bernie backed up against is if you don't support us, Trump gets elected again. Yeah, and 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 it's and it is and true. And you holding the bag and bearing the responsibility for that, which is even more potent because he's. I believe Bernie still has residual guilt from 2016 because they let him believe that shit. Well, I mean, I was telling again. Um, I was talking earlier to the Sams about this, but in 2016, Bernie wasn't trying to run an insurgency. Bernie was trying to pull Hillary to the left, and that's why he hung in there so long. Bernie dropped out early this time is because he knew the insurgency failed. Right. The realignment was not going to come. Right, right. And it's, you know, it's it's kind of scary because in some ways, you know, in a different time, <laughs> I feel like that realignment would have come. But, um... I, I was talking to some of my friends in the oil fields about it, and they were giving me shit about it today when they heard he dropped out or whatever. And they're all rejoicing because, you know, like the market had a little bump up and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I saw that. And, like, three days ago, these guys are talking about, oh, well, here in about six months, we'll be, like, paying people to take oil. You know what I mean? And what what they don't understand was that, like... And, I, I mean, I hope this is not true... I mean, I do kind of hope this is true for the planet in the longer run, but for the workers' sake. Like, real soon, they're going to wish like hell, we all are going to wish like hell that we would have went this way about it. Yeah, I mean... Well, what I'm saying is, like, if that if the market's not going to easily rebound from this pandemic, we're, this is this is going to be a restructuring thing two, three years in the making. Especially if Trump and his cronies try to jam this go back to work thing down our throats, and then this thing just hangs around and never goes away. <laughs> you know what I mean? So what I'm saying is, guys in that position would have been like, like if you had Bernie as a leader there, maybe they nationalize the oil sector and all that kind of stuff, and you stay in a job, but. If the market continues to tank like this, they're not going to be in a job. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, were you, were you saying something, Tanya? I heard noises. I sneezed a bunch. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Keep that shit over there. <laughs> I, you know, that's all I got. I, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, like, um, I don't know. I don't know. I got nothing, guys. I got fucking nothing. I just, it's just wild to me that Bernie's like, oh, still, you know. I mean, what? You've been saying this for weeks, Terrence, but just like the DNC strategy to try to, if they were going to put Medicare for All or any type of actual health care plan on the platform, they would have already got well done it. And at this point, I honest to God, today it hit me that honest to God, I feel like we are more likely right now <laughs> to get Medicare for all from the Republicans than we are from the Democrats. <laughs> I swear. I mean, well, I mean, there's probably, you know, whatever. There's no difference in them to begin with, but I swear. <laughs> Did you see Trump's tweet? He's like, trade. Trade. <laughs> what I love is that trade act- actually means like haughty. Yeah. Like babe. And <laughs> trade folks. I'll give you I'll give yeah. you one Mitt Romney for t- for five thousand of your most battle hardened online Bernie Bros. See what I thought he was talking about was that, that reference to that, you know, his, his little hot mic moment when he said I would rather run against uh I would rather run against Hillary than Bernie any day of the week because Bernie's absolutely right. We've been getting screwed on these trade deals. And I think Trump in his world, because trade is the only thing that he, like, is it within a range of understanding on? Yeah. So he's got, like, four things he always talks about. It's hydrochloroquine, trade, (laughs) uh, models, and, uh, I mean, that's pretty much it, three things. Golfing and other politicians wives Gol- you know, he does golfing it. and then like yeah ranking the fuckability of other politicians wives <laughs> and and I think that's just like you know he could sound semi-intelligible on trade because he knows some of the words you know so he just points to the one thing he can speak you know semi-intelligibly about so he's like trade folks Bernie's absolutely right we're getting screwed on these deals <laughs> You think that was it? it I mean, it could have been. I didn't really understand. It was funny. He was like, Elizabeth Warren, if she just would have dropped out, uh, Bernie Bernie would have been able to win. What, it's all Elizabeth what Warren. Is, what is interesting, though, and I don't give Trump any credit. I mean, fuck Trump. Let's just establish that up front. But what's funny is that the lord and emperor of all dumb guys has more political acumen than any liberal commentator out there. Oh yeah, and, it, by, and it's not even close, really. <laughs> you know, that's not to say we should be seduced by that. And if you're some idiot that's seduced by Trump, you've got a whole other thing going on. We can't even help you with. But I mean, it's well, just he astonishing, under, dude. He understands antagonism. He understands conflict. He understands um, politics. He understands that pol- that is essentially what politics is in this day and age, really. He is a man of the theater. He serves it. Exactly. Because, look, you know, we we pointed this out on an episode a few weeks back, but could you imagine the leaders of this country 200 years ago 
they were slaveholders and rapists and all these things, but they would have loved a crisis like this. And the reason why is because it would have given them an opportunity to get on their fucking pedestal and be great orators and leaders, and these are the times that tribe men's souls and all this kind of shit. Andy Brashear. They would have loved it. That's, he's yeah. reveling in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even then, Andy is just doing... Andy's not what I call master orator. <laughs> well he's put these ducks to rest now it's like you have to either do what andy's doing which is yeah don't like be showy just do the bare minimum and hold things together or do it like trump does and just make an a spectacle about the whole thing and insult everybody in the process (laughs) i mean here's the thing that's so tricky about that dude that i don't understand if you'd asked me a week ago i would said no Joe Biden's got a better chance to win this thing than people think because we're, when we come out on the other end of this crisis, people are just going to be begging for somebody to write the ship. But the bedeviling thing about it all is Trump's numbers keep going up. And he's handling this worse than you can imagine. And you may tell me so why I think this is. Bad. People just want somebody that's going to go on TV and talk to them every day. Yeah. Is he, is he even doing that? Yeah, every day he's doing the same thing Andy's doing. Five o'clock pressers every day. Where he's going he's, and hawking, uh, you know. Fossey, Dr. Fauci or whatever. Chelated treatments is. to remove coronary calcium and stuff. But <laughs> <laughs> he, So he is literally still an He's like going on the same time as Andy. Going up against Andy every day. I love this. Well, I don't think he's going up against Andy. I think it's more just like, you know, in a crisis you do daily briefings like this with everybody. But. It's, uh, I just mean it's at the same time. Yeah. Of day. But, but this, this, let's look at this man's greatest hits during this during his five o'clock pressers. I mean, he acts like he's fucking Oprah Winfrey or something. It's like <laughs> he goes, he goes, he's standing up there, mind you. He's just talking about the sobering report. We've got like fifty thousand people that have died of this already, and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, folks, our goal is the models. You know, I don't make the models. But we got to. Co- I want to come in under the models. I don't have any experience with these models. Well, not these kind of models. <laughs> the man is talking about his penchant for fucking models while there's a global <laughs> pandemic going on in a press. I mean, dude, like the thing that blows my mind is you've got multiple stories. You've got this story in the Los Angeles Times about the Fed seizing uh, PPE and, and other stuff without any explanation. You have them diverting thousands of masks to fucking Israel. Oh you have them God. not sending PPE to New Jersey because oh. Bob Menendez said some nasty things. Nasty things, folks. He's real mean and nasty. And sending it to Colorado <laughs> instead because he likes Senator Gardner. Like... Oh, he God. is 100% running this thing like he's a mob boss. It's ru- it's being run like a cartel, essentially. Like, you just have to kiss his ass enough, and he'll do whatever you want. And that's why you see Governor Newsom from California coming out here and saying, well, we're going to source our own stuff. We're a nation state. We're going to source our own stuff. And none of it. In none of it are they actually being antagonistic to Trump. None of it enters into the realm of politics. They'll just ignore them, and, and they'll try to, that when they go low, we'll go high. 
none of it is they're they're not exploiting this at all for any political gain. That's Meanwhile, why that's like everything if, that Trump is doing. Yeah. It's like if Rashida Tlaib was the governor of Michigan, you could imagine her saying, Listen here, you dumb son of a bitch. There's tens of thousands of people dying and you're not off the hook here. You know what I mean? Like some some sort of something. <laughs> something <laughs> God damn it, say something like you've never cussed somebody out. Like do something. Yeah, maybe that doesn't work with a sociopath like him, but fuck, engage. Engage. Don't like Joe Biden's even saying, Oh, I don't want to get into a political contest with with the President of the United States. Can you blame him? It's a really it's a really tight line they're walking. Essentially, they're saying, on one hand, we cannot be antagonistic to them because we can't afford that. Because in their minds, conservatives hold sway over everything that people do. And and so they think they'll be disparaged if they disparage him. So they're doing that on one hand. And on the other hand, they're saying, well, Bernie voters have to get in line because we can't risk having another Trump, another four years of Trump. Yeah, really and and truly, they want to put us on the hook for their being huge fucking pussies. Yeah, and and there's the thing that would have mattered 50 years ago. These stories about Trump seizing supplies and selectively distributing them here or not there, that would have mattered 50 years ago. If we actually lived in a capitalist state that was trying to gradually, uh, you know, accumulate more capital and and pursue global hegemony, but now we two things have happened. We have become the global hegemons, and we have become so extraordinarily wealthy. The, and I'm not saying us. I'm saying the people that run the country. Right. That they have nothing left. Again, it's like I've said before, there's nothing after this. And so this is why I'm even starting, and, and people will call this black-pilled or nihilistic or despairing or whatever. And it's not. It's not at all. Because I am absolutely not nihilistic at all it, in any way. But I am I am starting to become convinced that it's not even it doesn't even make sense to pursue Medicare for all anymore. This country had its referendum on Medicare for all and universal health care. It was in the 1960s. It was when we could actually afford a social safety net and when there was enough surplus circulating through the system that it could actually be done. This country had its referendum on those social welfare policies. It said, well, we'll take Medicare, Medicaid and Social Security. Uh, the rest can get fucked. And then the 1970s happened. They detonated the economy, and there's just scraps left. Yeah. And Bernie was their last fucking hope of trying to assemble whatever he could, like fucking MacGyver, <laughs> yeah. of something. Try to take uh, some yeah. dental floss to break out of a <laughs> Turkish prison. <laughs> But it's not it's not happening because I mean because like, we were talking about this I was talking about this with Sam Knight because like the Labor Party proved that you can do a, a you know a natu- a NHS style whatever all of those programs to propel them forward have to have some national regenerative uh, sort of element to them they have to have some sort of nationalizing impulse to them and guess what there is no America anymore. There is never going to be any kind of large-scale consensus within the Democratic Party or the Republican Party or whatever that could actually bring that into existence because this country is 100% just – it's it's 100% committed and dedicated to its own utter destruction. It just doesn't realize it yet. It just doesn't. And that's why the two fucking candidates that we have for November are insane, senile, rapists, 
monsters. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's not no fucking there's not, way out. I, you listen, that's not black pilled either. I mean, what, I mean, we're saying as this country's currently constituted, uh, it, it's not going to get better. There, it only gets worse from here if we if there's not a massive systemic overhaul. A, a massive overhaul. The likes of which the world has never seen. <laughs> a, a massive one, man. Like, I'm talking like... Well, the thing is, okay, the thing about these sort of revolutions or upheavals or even small insurgencies within the Democratic Party is that they require some element of dialogue between the upper and lower classes. All revolutions have started like this. All revolutions have started with people in the upper classes saying... Oh shit, man! I don't know. Maybe we've been a little too hard. Maybe we've been riding them a little too hard. Like, we need reform. There is no one in the gut ruling classes of this country interested in even a modicum of reform. Uh, even, so, even like, like even the liberals who would typically fill that role. You know what I mean? Petty boots exactly. liberals are not. No. No, they didn't answer and the so, bell on that. In fact, they yeah, antagonized and so, us and called us children for six, eight years. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Are y'all still there? I'm here. Are you there, Tanya? <laughs> Tanya's heard enough. She heard enough. She she dropped out. <laughs> well, you know, just to continue on that line, though, I mean, uh, you know, uh, it's not to say it's not possible. It's not to say it's not worth fighting for or whatever. It's just simply to say that um, I, I, we need a, a new analysis. Yeah. That's just what it is. We need a new analytical mode, a new way of conceiving our current reality and asking ourselves what is possible within this. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's right. It's not, it's not to say that, uh, you know, all of us that were out there canvassing for Bernie and everything or like that should be rejected or like that shouldn't be applauded or anything like that. But we have to we have to reorient ourselves and, and think about the playing field as it stands now. And uh, I mean, that's really the sixty four thousand dollar question. I mean, even, you know, uh, when, you know, we were taking shit for, you know, being ultra left or whatever. It's like it's it's still what everybody wants to know. It's like, well, if not. If not this, if not this sort of like try to to you know run a principled reformist politician to reform the Democratic Party, like what are we left with, you know? And you know, it's usually the response to that is some sort of posturing about guillotines or something. You know what I mean? Right. And right. And, and but like seriously, what's our program? You know? Well, that's the thing. It's I mean, and this is the sort of. Um, impasse we find ourselves at so an insurgency in the democratic party was impossible because of all the structural reasons we listed earlier but also the philosophy it was based on was ultimately wrong i've been shocked at how frequent i've seen some variation on the following statement democrats hate poor people so much that they're committed to stopping an insurgency from the left. 
it's all predicated on the idea that they were just going to step aside and let us do it. Yeah. Like at no point were they did they fear us or or anything. And this is kind of what I was talking about earlier. Well, I mean, I, like think, I think for a second they did. I think yeah, okay, after New Hampshire, <laughs> yeah. when Obama called Klobuchar and Buttigieg just said, "All right, now get in line." That was like right. the, that was like that was the choke point. But that's it. Yeah. But but th- unfortunately, there's really no mechanism for enforcing that to become to be brought into existence. The only thing we have is the Bernie or Bus thing. The only thing we have is just telling them, "Fuck you! I'm not voting for Biden in November," which. I, we think we should all do, but it's never going to co- co- congeal or coalesce into any kind of institutional form. Well, I mean, as it stands today, I mean, it's like what Will said that, yeah, about it bending toward class independence is absolutely correct, but you got to go further than that. And as it stands today, like whether we vote for Biden or not, he's not going to win. It's my prediction. No. You know what I mean? Like no, whether, yeah. we get, whether we uh, bend the knee not. or not. Biden's still not going to win this election, and that that falls on a miscalculation made by the Democrats. But my my whole my it's not even a conspiracy theory so much. It's like to me, it feels like the Democrats are are free rolling on this because if Trump wins again, that ultimately does not. They don't like it. They don't like sort of the crass nature the government's ran by, or that we're like governed by this like limp dick dumbass vulgarian. But ultimately, it it doesn't really fuck with their class interests to have four more years of Trump. You know what I mean? No, yeah, no, not at all. It actually preserves their classes. So to yeah, me, it's just like it's just like if Biden gets elected, good. If not, well, we're still rich, but we're just going to kind of like be have egg on our face for four more years. But we'll get it back. <laughs> what were you saying? What were you saying, Tanya? Nothing. Did we lose you there for a minute? Yeah, it, it's raining here. My internet cut out. Yeah, mine was, my lights were dimming, and I was like, fuck. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lose them. <laughs> yeah, we got a tornado watch. I might have to take to the basement. Us too. I'm in a trailer on top of a mountain. How do you think I feel about a tornado? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> the worst possible position. Literally. I don't even think <laughs> it's bitches tied down. <laughs> ain't got your hurricane straps down? <laughs> no. Fuck. Well, you know, I don't say any of this to like, again, I don't say any of this to like disparage Bernie or or to be like ultra about it or to be like fuck electoralism or any of those things. I'm I don't mean any of those things, but I do think the left needs to fundamentally reassess where it's at, and I think it needs to reorient its politics around an analysis that looks at the that is basically based in the fact that. America is a declining organ entity. It's a declining uh, world agency. Yeah. And uh, go ahead. No, 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 no. I, I mean, I think you're right, and I think you know, like, there's some like obvious things that are kind of in front of us. I mean, like, if you know, it would take a you know sort of Herculean effort. Not really, even really Herculean, because the conditions are are fairly ripe for it. But like. A general strike work stoppage thing uh, seems like an obvious thing that we could do just to like, you know, I mean, I, I feel like in the short run, I mean, we need to be developing a program, but in the short run, just some guerrilla tactics around rioting and strikes seems like, like the low hanging fruit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Truly. And we, 
Yeah, I mean, I think we we still have this que- this big question about the funding mechanism that we built and where to funnel it. Through you mean through the burning campaign? Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> I guess there's no sense in getting into the weeds of how truly terrible everything is, but just. Uh, the threats of yanking funding from the WHO during a pandemic. <laughs> it's just <laughs> truly, <laughs> it was just really, it's just. Oh, you're talking about the was, thing that people think China should pay reparations for COVID? <laughs> oh, fuck. I don't know. But Trump threatened to just like cut off the World Health Organization. Fuck you all. We're not working with you anymore. During a I mean, pandemic. I guess, I guess that is maybe where they pivot to next. Maybe they push for some sort of armed conflict against China. But Wow, wow, wow. They don't need to bark up that tree, I'll be honest with you. Remember those commercials China was running a couple months ago? <laughs> oh, bro. They, I mean, China would be able to assemble a coalition to knock our asses into the fucking... Stone Age. I mean, there's, probably. I mean, there's that thing too, dude. I mean, there's no shortage of fucking hate for us around the globe. You know what I mean? It but wouldn't be the- hard to form that coalition. I mean, but here's the thing: America, as an imp- global empire, is not ending soon. It's not ending tomorrow. Capitalism is not ending tomorrow. I mean, neither of those two sort of organizational logics or forces are going to be ending anytime soon. The fundamental insight of Marx is that the only thing that can bring that down is mass political struggle. And, you know, mass political class struggle, I should probably specify. And so, again, that's the, I mean, Bernie is going to contribute to that. He's going to continue to contribute to that for as long as he's galvanized it in so many ways. I mean, it's not like, yeah, this this shouldn't be looked at as like a, fuck Bernie, he's outlived his usefulness thing. I mean, he's... Oh, yeah, no. At all. He's played his role. I think, like I said, I think history will record him as an honest broker for the millennial left's political goals and aspirations. In the process of doing that, he has... um, He has injected class struggle back into our sort of political horizons. Now, I guess what concerns me is that the way that media is constituted in this country and the way that people come to ideas is so um, uh, segmented and fragmented and maybe and even sort of stratified along class terms that that message will be so diluted by the time it gets to the person sitting on their porch smoking a cigarette having to listen to me of all people try to explain why Medicare for all is great. Um, that's the part that concerns me. Um, but I think if, and I was listening to this, epi- I was listening to this interview of Mike Davis on the dig. And I think he said something that has stuck with me is that the left needs to stop being so goddamn Pollyannish about everything. I, I myself have done this a lot. Uh, especially around February or so. But we have to stop being so Pollyannish about everything and saying history is ours and, and uh, 
Like, it, it, you know. And, you know, it, it, you're right about that, man. Because I was thinking about that. You know, like, one of our sort of um, go-to phrases about this moment is, like, a better world is possible. And I remember when we had Assad Hader on, and, you know, Assad said, actually, that's an open question. You know. Yeah. And, uh. I've, I've I was I've been thinking about that a lot lately, but yeah, I think that's I think that's a good point. Well, yeah, I mean, I was <laughs> I was fucking looking at this Jacobin uh, article from February twenty second from Connor Kilpatrick. After the Nevada blowout, it's Bernie's party now. Bernie Sanders' decisive victory in Nevada today shows that he is a working-class base committed to fundamentally transforming our radically unequal system. He's on his way, not just to the nomination, but the White House. It's like shit like that. It's like, come on. (laughs) Come the fuck on, man. Man, it's like they they wouldn't call it struggle if it was just a foxtrot to power. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm kind of like, again, I'm not, I'm not feeling even remotely blackpilled or, or despairing. Honestly, it's kind of exciting because the problem with electoral politics, well, the problem with presidential elections, I'm going to, I'm going to, I need to stop using this generalization of electoral politics. The problem with presidential elections is how limiting they are and how ultimately conservative they are. They, they suck you into this like conservative vortex that you have no other choice but to sort of react to and and here adhere to but i'm kind of i'm kind of excited as to like how a larger movement of people can benefit from people like bernie and rashida talib and and etc uh who are assisting that movement in congress and etc um because i i mean i don't know we could have a situation that's like the 1850s where we have where we focus more on some of these down ballot races and get, I mean, honestly, if we're talking about electoralism, what we really need to be focusing on is the house. We need to take over the fucking house of representatives (laughs) and abolish. I know how fucking, yeah, 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 exactly. Senate races are very fucking hard. They, um, you know, you have to assemble statewide coalitions and stuff. I think the house of of representatives, yeah. yeah, you have to have a ton of fucking money, but like the house of representatives, man, like, um, obviously, there, though, you're going up against more structural barriers, gerrymandering. The fact that this whole fucking judiciary in this country is packed by reactionaries. Like, I mean, you know, there was a, an election on Tuesday with a 7% turnout. <laughs> like, cause is that how bad it was? Pandemic. 7%? I think it was 7%. I think it was 7%. Yeah. Ooh, it's going to be interesting to see Joe Biden run opposed in these primaries, and you're going to have, like, like one and two percent turnouts and shit. Oh my god! Well, here's the thing: if you if you operated under the under the assumption that this pandemic is just another um, manifestation of the ecological crisis that's coming, there's nothing that says future crises like this won't impede on the sort of electoral process and. The conservatives will 100% seize that opportunity Um, because the Democrats and the liberals, they've shown that they're not even remotely willing to do anything to uh, ensure that people could actually have access to voting. Um, You know, I mean, 
granted, you could list, be listening to this and be like, well, the, Dem- the Democratic governor of Wisconsin tried to call off the election. Um, but here's the thing. He didn't do shit when the Wisconsin Supreme Court overturned his ruling. Yeah. So it's just like, like, you you can actually do that. I don't know if these people realize this. The courts don't mean jack shit. They don't enforce laws. Now, yeah, what, just fucking yeah, override what, them. What's, what's the court going to do? Send their badass goons to rough you up a little bit? <laughs> R- <laughs> RBG going to send the boys in, rough you up a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, like, what the what fuck? Is, the one thing I remember from, like, high school history class with its deification of all the fucking genocidal assholes to the past is Andrew Jackson telling fucking Roger B. Taney, uh, or whoever the fuck was rolling the Supreme Court. Gert B. He made his, yeah, he made his it, it ruling. Now let's see him enforcement. Enforce it. <laughs> that was... That, hey, Andrew Jackson was a genocidal maniac, but... There's something I like about the redneck energy emanating off of that. <laughs> if it was pointed in the right direction and not toward, you know, killing natives and, you know, rape and pillage and all that. But, yeah, that's the thing. Like, if you are in an executive uh, role of power, you can exercise that. You can say, fuck the courts. Or you can pack them. You can do whatever the fuck you want. But, again, these, these Democrats, they're not interested in any of that. And I don't see any reason why they're going to be anytime soon. Um... Just a quick smattering of their ideas suggests they have zero political imagination, particularly where, where like, overriding norms is concerned. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I I feel like I I have literally... I have literally... um, As we used to say back in the activist social justice world, I've taken up a lot of space... <laughs> Tanya, does Terrence need to be more intentional about how he shows up in these spaces? <laughs> he sounds pretty intent to me. <laughs> I got some good news for y'all. Cheer you up a little bit. Please, yeah, anything. Uh, Andy. Oh, God. Kentucky Governor. Kentucky, you knew it was coming. Kentucky Governor Andy B. declared the Easter Bunny an essential worker. So he can travel. Oh my fucking god, dude! He's gonna send one <laughs> poor bastard in a bunny suit that's got COVID around and give it to every child in the Commonwealth. Oh fuck! <laughs> Those kids uh, are gonna honey these COVID COVID covered Easter eggs. He also announced today that the state of Kentucky is forcing inmates to make masks, and that one <laughs> of our state. <laughs> Liberals love this guy. The heat, the hits keep, he keep coming, and at least fifteen people in one of those uh, state facilities has uh, has tested positive for COVID nineteen. Yeah, it's the prison shit. I went down a dark rabbit hole with the prison shit last night. You're talking it's, about you're talking about Cook County Jail in Chicago and Rikers Island are the two highest infection rates in the world. Oh my god! Yeah, Albany, Georgia. Um, oh my god! I've been to Albany, Georgia. Albany, Georgia, on the Florida Panhandle. It's not a big place. You know what I mean? And it has a massive COVID rate because of the fucking jails. Did you see a Mrs. place mm-hmm. in Mississippi? They're like they're giving inmates raw chicken and shit. Yeah, I mean, bro, thirty people have died in Mississippi prisons since 
in parchment, like, yeah. Dis- December 29th or something. Like, and it's not been reported on anywhere. The only information you can find about this shit is fucking anarchists posting videos online that prisoners have sent them from inside. Yeah, from like stolen phone or from uh, hidden phones. I mean, the whole fucking system is is melting down in a way and being reconstituted in a way that is so authoritarian and and frightening that the liberals' response to it, the fact that it is, it lags so far behind. It's like our internet connection here. Us trying to clap and sync it all up. It's like you've got Cuomo like not expanding Medicaid, and you've got fucking Andy ordering the prisoners to make masks. And I, I, I don't know. Maybe again, people would listen to this and be like, "Oh, here's a doomer nihilist." No, we're not like, a doomer. You're the governor of Kentucky. <laughs> I'm sure there's some fucking outfit in this goddamn state that has the capability of making masks. How about you ask them to make masks? <laughs> <laughs> Not the poor bastards that you're like, dude. I saw the shit. Inmates in Rikers Island getting paid six dollars an hour to dig mass graves. Yeah, I saw that too. Well, it's like you know when we were talking about several for themselves ago, or for all for other New Yorkers too. What's that, Tanya? I couldn't get to the bottom of that, Tanya. I could never could because I also saw. I just feel like so many horror stories are coming out of New York, and I feel scared to even put that on anyone I know in New York and be like, "Hey, can you uh, let me know what's actually going on over there?" Like as if people don't have enough to deal with. But I mean, one of the last things that I saw coming out of New York was that they thought that they were going to have to start, uh, you know, quote burying people in public parks until like whatever until they could get a hold of it and that is a mass grave i guess they're not using that like loaded language but that's what that is yeah well oh yeah it's crazy you know a couple of months ago and i don't say this to say like say told you so or anything but when we were talking about like you know like the like a good entry way into left struggle is to get into the prison abolition movement because everybody's got a prison or some sort of incarceration facility nearby where they live and it's just sort of a good it has everything to do with all of our values and ability to get beyond yeah and past any fascism here totally but all and and two and two i feel like it's the most vulnerable like institution in society that like people that live in these places actually have some sway over how that gets done over, over what becomes of these places and so it just feels like the perfect sort of choke point for if you're sitting at home struggling figuring out how do I get involved in this to like take up that cause you know well I just want to say <clears throat> before we log off and you know go on our way go ourselves <laughs> off Pine Mountain. No, I, I, it's it's so funny how I'm the one who takes the mass brunt of the doomerism. <laughs> I feel the opposite. Like I feel like this is a new phase. It's not even. It's not the end of anything. Or I go okay. It is the end of this, but it's a new phase, and we need to develop a new reorientation in relationship to Bernie and to that sort of philosophical mode and organization of trying to change American politics. And what that means is we need to start... My cats are fucking murdering each other. Um, But what that means is we have to start... (laughs) Can you hear them? Yeah. Is PB getting over on uh, Leon? (laughs) 
yeah. shit. What that means is we have to start. Um, I mean, it's trite and it's cliche. I don't really know how else to word it. There's no really easily marketable way to word this um, that makes it succinct and powerful. But we have to start leading in what, and we have to start doing it in a way that uses the resources of Bernie rather than letting him sort of lead it. I know this whole thing, the whole premise of this whole thing was not me, us. But let's face it, in American electoral politics, that's not how it works, especially not in presidential elections. It can never work as a not-me-us type thing. But The good that, news is we still have the numbers, though. Exactly. We still have the numbers, and that basic organizational premise does work at the local level. And I'm talking about municipalities, work sites, and maybe even House of Representative races. Um, I would strongly dissuade you from pursuing governor races, senator races, and district attorney or whatever the fuck those those are. If we are talking about needing rapid change uh, that can put a a sizable amount of weight and leverage on the system in a way that makes it crack and bend to our will, we have to be selective and strategic about the places we uh, pursue and target and try to win. And that means, that might mean in some instances using Bernie and in others not. You know, he is a resource and he is a great leader for us, but the phase of this whole project where he leads it is now over. And I know, again, there's nothing profound or insightful about that. It's just that you all, and myself included, and all of us have to have a, a mental, a cognitive reorientation of how we view politics and how we want to see it change because we don't have a lot of time left. And again, this pandemic is just a preview of what the next decade is going to look like. Yeah. Is there a pill for that? Could I get a prescription? <laughs> Michelle was taking a water pill today. I said, just give me 10 of those. Put me out of my misery. <laughs> just dehydrate me right now. <laughs> That's what she said. I already begged you this morning to drain the blood from my body. Just have mercy on me. God damn. God damn, I would like to have that. If it was safe to go to a facility right now, I'd love to have that Keith Richards surgery where they just like basically do dialysis on you and take all your blood out and put fresh blood in. Yeah. I also just want to dissuade people. Don't fucking... I know it's appealing. I know uh, it's alluring. But the whole, like, let's buy guns and try to do this, like, militant overthrow style, like, trust me, bro, it's not going to fucking work. <laughs> Two words, predator drones. <laughs> Stay in your life. <laughs> that was always the thing to me, like, when those, like, Eamon Bundy types were, like, forming these, like, right-wing militias and stuff like that. It's always, like, to me, it's like, bro, like, like, I don't know how to explain this to you, but your local police... Like, agencies are armed to the teeth in ways you could never be. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, And I just know that if like, if that's true in Letcher County, that's probably true in most places. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is like, yeah, in theory, philosophically or whatever, it's uh, symbolically very um, satisfying to imagine murdering a billionaire. But it's not possible right now the way that the this country is organized geographically the way that it's organized 
uh, in terms of production and everything else. Like, we have to build, like, deep, lasting connections and networks in our community. Before we start murdering motherfuckers. (laughs) Exactly, exactly, for that to even be a reality. That's several steps down the line. Now, if you want to get comfortable holding a gun, go for it. I think everybody should be... Personally, as a gun owner, I think everybody should be comfortable. And yeah, absolutely, with guns. absolutely. But but, but you quit with these weekend warrior fantasies about. Like, yeah, you but know. by the time yeah by the time that's even a necessity, I'll probably be too fucking old to be a, a forest gorilla. So <laughs> <laughs> I already am too old. Yeah, exactly. We're getting fucking old, guys. <laughs> I couldn't get to the top of High Rock without. <laughs> Honey, it took boss. me it took me sixteen hours to get to High Rock. <laughs> yep. We're getting fucking old, and um, and so yeah, I I hope that that's um, you know, met uh maybe it won't put you to sleep, but maybe it'll at least put you at ease. I don't fucking know. I don't fucking know. Well, yeehaw, fellas. You feel you okay, Tanya? I got the I'm, hiccups I'm, now. I feel define I feel okay, like a, my man. There's just no okay God anymore. Dosed on water pills and got the hiccups. Listen, I'm on edible. <laughs> so I've had three other calls today. <laughs> I got the hiccups. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, uh, um, I got allergies. I've been sneezing my goddamn head off. Matilla thinks I got the coronavirus. Oh God. <sighs> No, I'm just kidding. But every time I sneeze, she looks at me like she's going to kick me out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, um, any, any closing thoughts? Anything you want to say about that? I literally talked over you the entire time. I'm I not know, a good ally. I, just, I got, I was too exhausted. I didn't have no fight in me today, Terrence. Yeah. I'm I sorry. I couldn't chime in. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> It's all good. Well, uh, yeah, I don't know. Closing thoughts. Eamon Bundy really wants the coronavirus. He said, I want it now. He wants, it, the he wants it now. And, and here's the thing, my man. If you really want it, it probably ain't hard to get. <laughs> yeah, it's like the most highly contagious thing we've ever dealt with. Yeah, just, uh, you know, <laughs> go to Walmart without a mask for a week straight, and you probably get your wish. <laughs> I want it now, God damn it. I don't know. It's a full moon. I'm out of sorts anyway. I literally am making snake oils. Well, it's wild. It's like last night there was like this big, super red super moon. We got the news John Prime passed, and then now Bernie's dropping that. It's just some weird cosmic energy going on right there that's that makes this reorientation necessary. I agree. It ain't good. So Yeah, to sum it up, the long-awaited for political realignment did not come. We got to look for new means and methods. Uh, I opened, but, I took a bath last night and opened my journal, and I hadn't written anything. I do a daily, like, a few one-liners with with a tarot reading. Usually yeah. wife jokes. <laughs> yeah, but that's all, that's that's beside the point. I brought out, I pulled out my big main journal and I hadn't wrote that motherfucker until mid-February. I don't even know what to put in there. <laughs> Talk about trying like... times. Have you tried Machella's cooking, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I know, my last, my February entry was just like, 
hell yeah, I'm going to Dollywood in April, bitch. <laughs> just fucking so, so happy. Never get too comfortable, gang. <laughs> if someone yeah, offers yeah. you a free trip to Dollywood, probably going to come with a price. <laughs> like a big spiral. <laughs> hundred thousands of deaths globally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck. On a on a slightly lighter note, did just did y'all see our boy JD Vance is saying that the COVID numbers are actually um not as high as they're being reported. He thinks there's a mass conspiracy of people reporting COVID numbers way higher than they actually are. Oh, I love oh, it when our boy comes wow. out JD with Vance a good is a with 5G a good take. Guy. Imagine that. Yeah, he's a five G guy. What's that mean? This idea that like 5G is a Chinese conspiracy to make everybody sick or something. Yeah. Uh, Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? All I know is we're governed by shitheads and posers at best and at worst (laughs) genocidal lunatics. Good night. Stay safe, everybody. Truly. I'm just, I feel like I've already lost some friends because of E-War, and I just... <clears throat> oh, Donya, you went in on her ass today. And, I, I mean, what I'm getting at is that I just am already dreading what's coming when they start <laughs> telling me to vote for Biden. I just can't. When they, when they come out for Biden, it is going to... I don't know what, I don't know how to... I don't know how to handle it. You know, I, I've been wondering this myself, like, the sort of more centrist libs, like, I, so I know a lot of them that have sort of squared that circle and rationalized it and been like, well, we ha- at all costs, we have to get Trump out. doesn't matter if Biden is who he is. But I have honestly seen a lot of, like, people who I would consider maybe left of center or progressive or anywhere in between Biden and Warren who have been, like, questioning things who are like is this really the guy is this really what we're going with and i i think that that's very interesting (laughs) like i don't know i i don't know if that's the case with your friends tanya the ones that will will ostensibly be ostracizing you for um for uh going in on e-war's ridiculous goddamn fucking tweet about bernie today but it's just really you know to quote Reverend Thomas Sexton, it's it's a we're on a very diseased timeline right now. <laughs> you sound so defeated. I, I don't, I'm so sorry. You know, I don't say this to draw a one to one to Bernie and Martin King. Obviously, that's not a contest. But it's like it is funny how you know people hated Martin during his lifetime, but they love him now that he's dead. And it's kind of like a similar thing with Bernie. It's like, you know, that they hated him when he was out there beating the bushes and stuff. And now that he's like sort of, um, you know. He has submitted. These are fucking maniacal doms out here we're dealing with. Well, I, mean, I don't think it's even submission. I just think it's like he just reads the tea leaves on it. And now it's like now you all love him and commend his leadership and all that stuff when you were disparaging him at every step for the last eight years. They're desperate for his support, and he should disappear. <laughs> well, because they don't understand he doesn't operate under the same moral code that these vultures do. These fuckers can spend fucking two years 
on the fucking campaign and debate circuit talking about how one another's a rotten son of a bitch that did this and did that and did this. And then they can just reorient around whoever wins in the end and act like they're the best person and their best friend. And that's just the way politics goes. And But, uh, you know, we believe in something over here, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, ultimately... Bernie's a good person, and um, it's not to say that the left needs a bad person. Like, I don't... I think it's really stupid when people are like, the left needs its own Trump. Like, <laughs> Even stupider like, when they say that Bernie is the left's Trump. <laughs> right, right, right. It's like, I think really at the core of it, Bernie would continue this campaign if, like, coronavirus wasn't a thing. Yeah, honestly, you're probably right. Like, the thing is, is this pandemic stuff stuck a dagger in the... I mean, it was the nail in the coffin, right? Like, Yeah, I... Like, made it completely impossible. Fucking, fucking that disgusting piece of shit, David Axelrod. Bernie bowed to the mat. Bernie didn't bow to shit. Bernie, Bernie's looking out for the spread of this goddamn virus that disproportionately could affect him. You know what I'm saying? Well... Crises in this again. This will be the general trend over the next few decades. Is that crises always benefits the right, whether that's Biden or fucking Trump or whatever. And they certainly benefited from this man. They certainly fucking used it to their advantage. Um, the Democrats have used it to their advantage to beat Bernie. The Republicans have used it to their advantage to consolidate more power in their hands. And so. Um, I don't know what kind of leaders we need in the future, but we just need to be really fucking aware of those dynamics. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, pour one out for the boy. Um, he 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 uh, he did his best. and um, Pour out a pint of blood for our boy. Pour out a pint of blood for our boy. He did his best. Um, we salute you, Bernie. Uh, no, honestly, probably go donate blood. <laughs> I, I donated blood personally. Thank God. I know you had to take um, you had to take my appointment when I got exposed. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, thank thanks, Bernie. Thanks to the people who worked on his campaign, for the people who volunteered for it. I mean, but it's just it's not the end. So you know, it's the the thing is, is it never fucking ends. The the road goes on forever, and the party never ends. <laughs> Misery too. <laughs> <laughs> all right adios all right well we'll see you on the patreon go go listen to our patreon i'm sure the next episode will be a lot better than this p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash true party sleep tight we'll see you later